0: (laughs) But uh, we're gonna get ahead and start our timer here, you know, like I said, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be shameful and and, and try to be try to stick with a 50-minute message this week Not when I already know within my heart that there's so much that the Lord wants to talk about and And within that reality, I kind of debated a little bit. It's like do I break this into a two-part of this? you know so as we're we're talking about and been on a series for the last couple of weeks about fellowship with the king and we we've talked about and placed emphasis on about what fellowship is and what fellowship means through the word and it comes it really comes down to the basic part of this is that that's why we were created for we were created for fellowship and the word fellowship is our walk with god and the word fellowship that i define it as is mutual movement well what does that mean pastor james that means we got the same thought process we got the same intents we got the same intentions we got the same motives at heart we're moving at the same pace with you walking hand in hand side by side with you. So so I wanted to place the emphasis on that through this series that we go back to what fellowship is and what fellowship means. And so the first the first week we talked about the meaning of fellowship. The second week we talked about the fellowship of remaining. And within the remaining um within the remaining um you know we talked about the process of even either being removed from the vine or being pruned of the vine and the the separation between those two is that you only get two options is one is a complete removal from who we are in God. The second removal is is the things that take away from everything that God wants to produce in our life. So when we prune a vine, what do we do? We cut away the parts that's robbing from the fruit, the very thing that's causing it to be fruitful, the very thing that's causing it to produce the fruit that God's called it to. So Jesus had even said this in, in in John chapter 15, verse six, He said that those that don't produce the fruit or those that are cut off, he called them useless. And the only thing that he said that they were useful for was for the fire. I'm not making this up. This is in your Bible. If you pick up your Bible and you read this, you'll see this very plainly because it is in red letters as well in John chapter 15. I would I would strongly advise slash and encourage everybody to to become very familiar not with just that passage God's heart because like I said God's Word is just a massive love letter that he's written to us and he chose to use people that would be obedient to speak it just like God has chosen me to you know I didn't I didn't it's not my decision to be a pastor it's not my decision to start a church it's all God and I fought against it and I fought against it so eventually you know I became like Jonah Uh, Jonah got, you know, he ran from what God had called him to do, but yet he found himself in a situation where either I'm going to be completely consumed by, by the running or I'm just going to surrender to what God has called me to do so in within myself I have I have chosen to to quit being consumed by the running and to be consumed by what God has called me to do that's good preaching amen that we hadn't even got into our scripture yet so so to kind of you know and then we moved on into last week and I'm just recapping a little bit to try to help mom catch up a little bit and each of you so to just to bring a remembrance of what we've been speaking about uh, and if y'all want me to, we could sit here for four hours and re-preach all of them. If y'all want to, I'm just kidding. I, I know I would be pushing my, my luck there a little bit. But, but last week we talked about the fellowship of suffering. Because within the fellowship of suffering, it talks that the suffering is the pruning part. And, and the Lord has so orchestrated these messages, this series, to to be just like that. To show us the procedure, to show us the very things that has to take place in our life, in our walk, in our fellowship with the King. You know, and that all these have to take place. So if we chose not to be separated from the vine, then we chose to be pruned. And in that pruning, in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10, he said, he said I have not refined you as silver but I have refined you in the furnace of what in the furnace of suffering in the furnace of affliction the suffering you know Matthew 16 Jesus said that I must go to Jerusalem and I must suffer at the hands of the religious leaders so, so what Jesus was doing, he's saying that it, within my suffering, suffering is sure death. It is sure separation from this flesh. It, it, man, y'all, y'all got to be following me on this. It, 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 it's sure separating from the very thing that's keeping me from being everything that God's called me to be. And, and so to make this very plain for each one of us here today is that suffering Walking fellowship of suffering is sure death, not death of us, a pallbearer's death, not us being buried six feet deep, but us being dead to sin, and it's separating us from sin. So this week, and here we go. So so we get to the part where man, suffering is hard, because we said it. Suffering is it causes discomfort, it causes pain, it causes heartache. And it it, it causes all these things that we could begin to fathom. But within that, did Peter and not James, did they not tell us to count it all as joy? But that seems like to be an oxymoron, right? Oxymoron means saying something, but saying something that's contrary to it. So, But what the reality is, is that's the conflict between flesh and spirit. Because Jesus even, Jesus even told the, the, the disciples, especially uh, the three that was there with him, that walked further with him in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So it's such a struggle. I ain't going to lie to you. It's such a struggle to open up my Bible sometimes and to get in. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be, Lord, this is you. Because if I want to know you, I've got to spend time with you. I've got to be intimate with you. And and it's not just going to fall in our lap, ladies and gentlemen. There's a part that we have to play on this. And we go back to the young rich ruler. What did he tell Jesus or what did he ask Jesus? What must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? So, we, so we've got to remember and we've got to have that mindset is, is, Lord, what do I do? What's my part? What do you want me to do in this? Where well, your part is to get to the point where you've got to know him better than we know him now. God has called us to so much more, but we're so comfortable in what we know him as right now. You see, we, we only know about Jesus. We know of Jesus, but we don't know Jesus. Because if we know Jesus, it said that we're going to know his sufferings as well. And I ain't trying to re preach last week's message, and we didn't even talk about that. But that's just the reality of where we're going. So this week, uh, we, we, we're going to we're <laughs> slow down, James. We're going to talk about the fellowship of grace this week. The fellowship of grace. And so, and so we're going to define what grace is. And within this grace we're gonna we're gonna see how grace is going to be associated in our suffering in our suffering and the things that, that, that it will produce from that it's, it, I, I, I don't want to get too much into my notes I've already spent eight minutes preaching the last couple weeks message and now we're gonna dive on in so follow me to John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 it'll be on your screen as well Uh, those that want notes we can get you a set of notes if that's what your heart's desire is Um, and these notes are for you to to be refreshing throughout the week so so, so read along with me well you ain't got to read but you just follow along with me it says in the beginning in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God you notice how they translated the word as a he it is a being it is a it is a he so he is he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made so because of, and because of that very thing it's the word It was the spoken word of God that caused things to be created. So if we could get, if we could begin to let that penetrate our heart, that the things that we speak become life, they become life in us. They they become the very things in our marriage. They become the very things in our household. They become the very things uh, that that, that are uh, beneficial to us or they are the very things that become critical for us. Let me follow on here. That that was just a, that was a free nugget there. So uh, in verse 4, and it said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now follow me to verse 14. And it said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father. Now I want you to catch this, and you're going to catch this throughout this message. He was full of grace and truth follow me on that he was full of grace and truth so 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 that already begins to raise questions in our head about what grace really is so so we're going to continue on this journey here so in verse 16 through 17 and it said from from for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ also we're, 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 we're beginning to get somewhere here so follow me along just a moment as I begin to read from my notes so the Greek word for grace is, is it's where the, it's where we get the English word called charisma and oftentimes people will associate this word as here, here's what the some of the popular things are is people oftentimes associate this word as forgiveness of sins due to an understanding of unmerited favor and they are correct in their knowledge of this as we know that a coin has two sides right man I say I should have brought a coin up here with me today Um. I dropped the ball on that one, but we all know because we're all very familiar uh, No, please don't throw it (laughs) We are all familiar and I know the camera won't catch this But since I give you a visual and you can see this we know that a coin has what? It has a heads and a tails it has both sides But the reality is is that if it only had one side to it, how much value would that coin really have? It may be printed on one side or the other because there's really no discrepancy sometimes they put the the coin value on the head side and sometimes they put the coin value on the tail side But the reality is that without both sides you've lost the value of what this is. Are you following me on that? so if you go to the store and uh, and all you have is a head side of this and not a tails they're gonna begin to hey dude this ain't real you know (laughs) This, this this ain't real This isn't legit. Take your fake money somewhere else and because oh we're gonna just go and cut now when you start getting to dollar-dollar bills Y'all remember the Goonies, 50 dollar bill, 50 dollar bill. It was (laughs) it was printed out money and but it was fake money. And the thing is is you know, there is a counterfeit so so but the emphasis that I want to place on this is that both sides whether it's head or tails its value is based off of both sides so what I want to do today is I want to bring you the other side of the coin that so many people aren't teaching that so many people aren't preaching about what grace primarily is so let me go here let me continue to follow my notes here so what I've been instructed to speak today is the untold story that carries value as well when you think of a coin do you think of heads or tails first Well, and because that's the way we've heard it. It's become common for us. So heads is what should be coming to mind as we know that it is the front side of the coin. I I actually went to the usmint.com or .gov or whatever and that's the way that it's labeled. Is that heads is the front of the coin and tails is the back of the coin. But you see what happens is is we've been getting the tail side of the coin for so long and it carries a value but it doesn't carry the full value unless you've got what's supposed to be first and foremost. Mm. So, so his is what we should be coming to mind as we know that the front of the coin is heads and the tails is the back of the coin and they both carry equal Uh, uh, They are both equal in value as it takes both sides to make it complete. But for me, this side of the coin has been life changing for me and has brought definition to my fellowship with God. This side of the coin that we're going to preach about today has been life changing for me, in me, through me. In, in everything, every facet of my life. You know, you, if you think I'm, well, I mean Kaylee gets to see me all the time, but and Becky gets to see me. But if you think I'm radical here, I'm always radical. You know, now don't get me wrong, I, I do have discomforts, I do have times where where God has to bring uh, a lot of times where God has to bring correction to me. But but the thing is, is that he's swift to do that. He's very swift to do it. And it doesn't make me bipolar just because I immediately apologize after I've done something wrong. That just means, hey, the Holy Spirit's dealing with me and we bring correction to that right now, not next week, not not next year, right now. And that's where that's where we become where to be pruned or to be refined makes us malleable we're easy to shape and we're easy to mold it don't take much influence to say hey turn this way and then you turn so 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 here's what I want to do today is uh, there is a nationwide poll done some years ago and 5,000 born-again believers participated in this poll And they were asked to give three or more definitions of the grace of God. And the top four answers were forgiveness of sin, salvation, a free gift, and the love of God. And all of these are absolutely right. Every single one of them are absolutely right. It's the tail side of the coin. It's the tail side of the coin here but there but but uh but this is the one side of the coin that so many people live by and through and if they and if they live and if they live by this defining uh if of this type of defining if they define uh that that type of grace of god is that forgiveness of sin if it is salvation well then guess what that's how they're going to live by grace that's how they are going to walk in grace that's how they are going to operate in grace so but only two percent of the people so what's two percent of five thousand who's a good mathematician here a hundred that would be that would be one-tenth of a percent so but man you were closer than anybody else (laughs) so we'll give we'll give him a an e for effort on that one how about that no i'm just kidding so only two percent which means a hundred of the five thousand people who took the nationwide poll defined grace as god's divine empowerment that means that 98 percent of the people had no clue that god's grace is god's power so so what are you saying here pastor Y'all, ask, y'all asking that question here, right? Yeah, okay. So, so when we don't fully understand a definition, then we lack the knowledge of its, true, of its true meaning. So when we don't understand that God's grace is God's empowerment, when we don't understand the other side of the coin that holds the value, then we neglect to know what the true value is of that coin. That value of that coin has been based off of what people has told us that it is and next week we're going we're going to get into the fellowship of revelation next week when me and my dad are going to be sitting right here centerpiece uh in front of the tv and we're going to be collaborating this uh this part of the message together so 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 here's what we want to do is as we have read our opening scripture this is the primary definition of what grace is. So now let's read this again. Now that, we're, now that we're starting to hear that Pastor James or the Word is really declaring that the other side of the coin of grace is God's power. So now let's read this again. John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory, as of the only son from the father full of power and truth was he was he full of salvation yeah it makes sense is he full of forgiveness of sins yeah it makes sense but what if we begin to look at it for what it really is because this is John 1 this is this is a primary definition so to understand what something is to understand the fullness of what something is we've got to understand the primary and we've all heard of root words and and things of that nature so this this carries the uh of what everything else means so without God's fullness of His grace we can't understand the fullness of, of all the grace uh, let's continue in, in John 1 and 16 and it said from His fullness We have all received grace upon grace. We have all received grace upon grace. We've received grace. Well, what's grace upon grace? It means the richness of grace. It gives us the richness of grace. And the NLT is going to read a a slightly little bit different, uh, and that's why I went with the ESV on this one. And uh, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ empowerment came through him so 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 let's continue on he said so so if we place these top four answers in the place of grace then how much of this definition is viewed as its full value when we begin to replace when we begin to replace the word grace with the love of God when we begin to replace it with the forgiveness of God, when we begin to uh, replace it with uh, a free gift, how much more sense does it really make that we begin to place it with the word power or empowerment? So, so I see that some of you still are struggling a little bit alone to follow me on that. And I'm kind of glad you are because now we're going to go to some scripture that's really going to point us. If we've ever seen those arrows, maybe on a cartoon or or the show, and you kind of like X marks the spot, you know, or the arrows are pointing like enter here, enter here. Or we're getting ready to enter like right here and get into this. So 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. And so before we read that, I want to kind of talk just very briefly is that we, some of us may have heard this is where Paul said where he had a thorn in the flesh. This is where he said he had a thorn in the flesh. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, chapter 12, verse 9, it said, here's what he said. He said, but he said to me, who was he said to me? God said to me, Jesus said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. So so my forgiveness is sufficient for you for my powers. How much sense does that really make to you? You know, uh, my, my unmerited favor is sufficient for you. See, what well, all, all that really does is that just it, it waters it down. It doesn't bring the simplicity. It doesn't bring the fullness. And as we read in John, it said that God's grace was the fullness of who he is. His grace is his fullness. It's the fullness of who he is. And it said, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of christ may rest in me so how could we ever miss this part about grace how could we ever miss this part about grace is that god's grace is his empowerment and 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 a matter of fact if we read the verses beforehand it said that on three, on three occasions, God repeated this to me. God repeated this very thing to me. So as we look throughout the New Testament, we see the word grace used 123 times. 123 times. And 86 of those times, Paul used the word charis or, or charis or the word short of, for, uh, bleh, for grace. He used the Greek word karis. And if he used this word, if he used it 86 times, if he spoke it 86 times out of the 123, how many would say that Paul was a very devout Christian? How many would say that Paul really walked with God? Because if we even refer back to the letter that Peter wrote, Peter said this. He said our brother or, our, or the apostle Paul, has, you know, he speaks so much about God. And I will admit that some of these things are hard to understand because what Paul had, what Paul had was, was something that Peter was lacking because Peter walked with Jesus Christ. He walked with him. Matter of fact, he walked with him on the water. So all he can reflect back to is Jesus Christ being there, Jesus Christ being there. But the reality is, is Paul did not become converted to Christianity. He was in Judaism because he was a Jew. He was a devout Jew. He was, he was, he was, uh, you know, he went to school to be a Pharisee, you know, and, and even Paul persecuted and he killed Christians. That that label themselves as followers of Jesus Christ he put literally he put these people to death But yet we have this same guy that speaks about the word grace 86 times out of 123 and he talks about that grace is God's empowerment. So 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 the question here is this Um, I don't see any people that we know right now that wrote a letter of the Bible, right? So, so if Paul has thirteen letters in the New Testament, then Paul had a revelation that so many people didn't have. So uh, Paul had to say this, and I think that it's important that we need to hear because we can't dismiss something that Paul says because of something that we don't understand. So, so follow me. Um, So here's another important thing that I saw that the Lord showed me. So Paul used this word so profoundly that it shifted him from who he was to who he is now. So Paul had this revelation. I want you to hear this. Paul had this revelation after 20 years of having fellowship with God. How do you know that? Okay, so the very first letter that that Paul wrote was 1 Corinthians. So what chapter are we reading out of? Second. Second Corinthians. So that means he wrote this letter very shortly after. Jesus was crucified. He died. He was crucified. And he resurrected from the grave in 30 AD. You know when, you know when, and so scholars have found this and show this, that anywhere from four to seven years, it's only a three year window, so there's not much difference. A four to a seven year span have passed away before Paul was converted to Christianity after Jesus had died, resurrected, and ascended to the Father. Excuse me. So Paul had no affiliation with Christ other than seeing him as being false. So he persecuted anybody else that believed in that same manner. So, So Paul wrote his first letter, which was 1 Corinthians in 56 AD. So how many years is that? So let's just say Paul was converted in 37 AD and if so if he wrote 1 Corinthians in 56 AD and then he wrote 2nd Corinthians 57 AD, how many years is that after Christ? 20 years. So 20 years of what? <laughs> Somebody said a lot. Want want womp. Did I do that right? Yep. Okay, help me out here. <laughs> so so the reality is, is it took Paul 20 years to catch this revelation through his fellowship with God. 20 years and we're still sitting in church today and nobody is still seeing this side of the coin. Nobody is seeing this side of the coin that God's grace is his power. And Paul caught this at the very beginning of the letters that he wrote. Now it took him twenty years of his conversion to begin to to write letters to the churches in which we are the church as well. So he's writing letters to us because it concerns us because all scripture as what? Is given by inspiration of God. So 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 the reality is that he you know it took him 20 years in his fellowship. I know I can continue to repeat this and continue to say this, but but the reality is that that he found the other side of the coin he found out what grace is is because God mentioned it to him three different times in the letter that he was writing to the church of Corinth to bring correction to them to bring uh, affirmation of who they are supposed to be in Christ so he caught this revelation and here we are we still haven't caught it we still haven't heard it how many has ever hey, how, let's just be honest how many of us has ever heard about grace being God's empowerment very few of us and and I'll be honest with you I've been on this walk for a long time now don't get me wrong I did walk away but there was still so much of everything that God showed me so many things that I've read and that God's taught me that just it never left me it was still there but I have walked away from God and I came back to God over the last four or five years six years however long that is I I don't even lose track of it but the reality is is I never caught the other side of that coin until that many years ago and the way that it's shifted my life the paradigm shift that's happened for me the the very things of who it's created me to be because if anybody was on the on the outside looking in you know not to pick on Richie but Richie has seen me Richie saw who I was prior beforehand you know my wife has seen me my daughter has seen me uh, but they've seen me all their life you know and Richie's known me for a while and 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 I've heard him confess to to uh, to someone else John he said, no, Mr. James really is different. he is different and it's not about me it's not about what I've done, but it's about what I've let God do through me and and, and what's happened is I've allowed the grace of God to be in operation in my life so so later on Peter caught a same revelation follow me over here to second Peter chapter one verses two and three we'll read this in the nlt version and it says this and it says may god give you more and more grace some translations it said that may grace be multiplied to you but here in the nlt it says may god give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of god and the lord and Jesus our Lord by His divine power God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Let's stop. So Pastor, you mean I can live a life without sin? Then why would He say that He's given you everything that you need for living a godly life? This is exactly what grace does for us ladies and gentlemen. It puts us in a place where we allow God's power to work through us because he told Paul, he said that, he said, my grace is sufficient and it works best or it's perfected in your weakness. So so Paul, so Peter also caught this revelation of God's grace and he takes it a step further and he says that it may be multiplied in your knowledge. So I really like the way that he went with that because we've placed emphasis throughout this series on the word knowledge and the word knowledge of the word to know carries an intimacy type of terminology with it this interpretation is is based off of intimacy so so that may God's grace may his empowerment may his empowerment be multiplied in your life as you become intimate with God <laughs> but did y'all hear me on that one so here's what I'm saying I'm gonna break this down for you The more intimate that we are with God, the more intimate that we are with God, the more that we become to know Him as Lord, as Master, as Savior. The more that we become to know Him as as the one who empowers us, the more grace that we give. The more grace that we get so so with that being said so so where does grace come from so if we remember we read back in John chapter 1 it says in the beginning was the Word the Word was God and the Word was with God in verse 14 it said "And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us and in verse 16 and it said in the fullness in the fullness of who he is he has given us grace upon grace The fullness of who He is. The fullness of His Word. The fullness of His Word. The fullness. Why do you think He placed so much emphasis on us knowing Him? To know Him is to know His Word. Does that mean that you're going to open it up today and begin to remember it tomorrow? Absolutely not. But when it becomes repetitive... Like I said, like we said this morning during prayer, uh, right after worship, the more time that you spend with somebody, the better you know them. The better you know them, the more you can begin to know their heart, know their feelings. And in, in a lot of cases, when I'm sitting up here on Sundays or just speaking in general, my wife will complete my sentences. Because why? Because she knows me. She knows that this part of me. She knows every part of me. And the question is, are we knowing every part of God? We're not going to know Him if we're not in this. And I say that with as much love as I can. I say that with as much respect as I can. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you right now, grace cannot be multiplied in our life if we're not pushing ourselves in a position to know Him. If we're not pushing the TV to the side let's be honest here if we're not pushing this and that to the side if we're not pushing our feelings to the side oh come on preach now if we're not pushing these things away from us that separating us from God we're not going to know him the way that he wants us to and we're not going to receive the empowerment that the fullness of who he is the fullness of his word is the empowerment that he wants to give us hallelujah So to have mutual movement by being closely associated with Jesus in His death and His resurrection is where we come to knowledge of Him, walking with Him, walking through His Word. So to know Him is to have fellowship with Him and His suffering. God's grace, now listen to this, God's grace is a byproduct of your fellowship of suffering. God's grace is a byproduct. what is that what does that mean? It's what's produced through our suffering. Lord, I'm suffering for you. I'm suffering the agony. I'm, I'm suffering the I can't find a building. I've been rejected three times this week from a church building three times. but you know what Lord? I am despaired. I am distraught. I am discouraged, but you know what I'm encouraged you know and through my prayers Lord, Through my frustration, I'm humbled Through my frustration, I'm humbled because flesh wants to Flesh wants to give up flesh wants to 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 just kick the can and and call it quits Okay, well then we'll just continue to stay here in the house But see God's called us to more and the more is not going to come by continuing to do what I'm doing It's going to require more. So the question is that you have to pose to yourself is are you giving more? Are you allowing God's grace to empower you to be able to make that next step? Are you allowing his grace to allow you to make the next step? Even when you feel like you want to give up, are you allowing grace to propel you to more? And the grace comes through God's word. So I I want to define grace from John Bevere's definition of grace man that has been on the scene or even behind the scenes for so many years uh, we've used him some for our, for our the beginning of our study uh, when we were hosting Bible study uh, but it really isn't even about him it's not about the man it's about the grace that has been operating in him so here's what his definition of grace is grace is God's empowerment that gives you the ability to go beyond your natural ability because as we saw that in 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 it says that my strength my my grace works best in your weakness so what does that mean your weakness that's your ability it's, it's what you can do. It's what you can do. That's your ability. So when we have God's grace, it's in his, it's in his it is his empowerment that pushes us to go beyond our own natural ability. So I'm going to read that definition again. I thought I had created a slide for that, but obviously I didn't. So, but God's grace is God's empowerment that gives you the ability to go beyond your natural ability. It empowers you to do what truth demands from us God's grace empowers us to do what the Word has commanded us to do but remember the statistics that only 2% of newborn or not newborn but just born-again believers even know this so what does that mean that only 2% of the people are walking with God to the way that he's empowered them. That means 98% of people that associate themselves as being Christian are trying to live godly life and holy lives within their own ability. That becomes very tiresome to try to live the way that God has called us to live by doing it ourselves. No, God, you saved me. That's enough. You know, I don't need anything else from you. You saved me from the penalty of sin. But, Lord, I've got it from here. I've, Lord, I've got it from here. I can live golly. I can live holy. But we cannot do that without God's grace. And how are we going to ever know what the value of a coin is unless we begin to look at heads? Till we begin to view this in the perspective in the realm of what its original intent was for. To realize what that is. Follow me with Acts chapter 6 because here's what I want you to realize is that I want you to realize that this isn't just for ministers. This isn't just for preachers. This isn't just for for, for people that sit on, uh, you know, to stand behind a pulpit. So follow me here with this. Acts chapter 6 verses 2 through 5. And the 12, who was the twelve? they were the disciples okay so follow me here on this so and the twelve the disciples summoned the full number of disciples and said so everybody that was wanting to follow they summoned all of them to come so the preacher. so here's what happened the preacher called those that are serving at the church those that want to follow he called a meeting together so so follow me here he said it is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables Therefore brothers pick out from among you seven men of who of good repute full of spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the word and they said uh, and what they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen A man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit and we continue to see other names here but but before we move on what I want to point out here to you is 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 that he was full of what he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit so so they chose someone to do what to serve tables right so these are people that are serving in the church these are, these are the used. These are the people that God is sending here that hadn't quite arrived yet. These are the people that are sitting out there right now and viewing us online. Uh, these are the people that are listening to us via the podcast. These are, these are the people that see themselves as nobodies. These are the people that are spoke in the will that helps the will go around. And it's not just the ministers. It's not just the means. It's not just the the people that God has called to preach his word See because what happened here was that the disciples said hey, we can't do it all (laughs) We can't do it all. We need people to serve. We need people to fill positions and the position that needs to be filled here is serving tables so now I want to move to verse 8 of this And here's what I want you to pay attention and I want you to see here. And it said, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Full of God's empowerment, full of God's strength, full of God's ability. It caused him to go beyond his natural ability. And as we continue to read on, we'll see that even Paul, which was called Saul of Tarsus at the time, had this young man right here put to death. And he wasn't even a preacher. He was just a follower. He was just... He was just one who served but stood boldly for the, what the Word of God had to say. He stood boldly for what the kingdom of God that needed to be preached to, to, to and the life that needed to be lived. He was full of God's empowerment. He was full of God's empowerment. He wasn't full. So, he was, so, so if we look at the other side of the coin, the tail side of the coin, so was Paul, so I'm sorry, was Stephen, was he full of forgiveness and power? I mean, like, let's, let's, let's just be real. That doesn't sound like that, that even fits together. But when we replace that word grace here with God's empowerment, and remember, God's grace is, God's grace is His empowerment that allows us to go beyond our own natural ability because Peter Paul said that God's grace is sufficient. It's all that I need. It is perfected. or It works best in my weakness. So the grace of God is not limited to those who preach the gospel, but those who serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me on that. The grace of God is not limited to those who just preach the gospel, but those who serve the gospel. So if only 2% of Christians realize what grace is, and they are living what Peter defined God's grace, empowerment to live a godly life, then then what are the other 98% living and I, I know we've touched on that. But what are the other 98% living that don't realize that God's empowerment or God's grace is His empowerment? What are they living? A golly life within their own ability. A life that quickly becomes miserable and chaotic. When we're trying to... Because because you know what, man? I, I can put on a show... And, and I can read this word and it's like, okay, well, that's just not going to happen in my life because <laughs> I can't do that. But when God tells me, he said that, you know, Paul, uh, Paul said this in book of Philippians, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What do you think that word strengthen is again? Grace is the same word as charis i can do all things through christ who gives me strength i can do all things through christ that he who empowers me to be able to do things that i say i can't do that people say i can't do see it was god's grace that allowed peter to walk on the water because that was what that was beyond his natural ability was it not but yet we got so many people trying to operate on the tail side of the coin and live a golly and a holy life within their own ability and they're failing miserably. We've got, I don't know because I don't watch the news very often, but I'm so sick and tired that over my lifetime that I get tired of hearing ministers being arrested because they're pedophiles, because they rape little kids, that they do things that they know that they shouldn't be doing, but yet they're trying, they were trying to live a holy life. They were trying to live a godly life within their own ability because they've been based this off of what? Off of what they've been told. Off of what they've been told but yet they didn't they didn't flip see man I'm looking at his and I see I'm glad y'all can't see which side is which but Richie would say I ain't got my glasses on today Good. he said I left him at the barracks mr. James or he calls me poppy now so I, I love that I love my son so so um, so let me get so could this be the very uh, could this be why certain individuals had developed a doctrine based off of a misconceived grace maybe, maybe this is why it says oh I'm not doing what I should be doing but oh the grace of God has me covered did Paul not say in Romans chapter 6 what, is it, what does it say Romans chapter 6 verse 2 it should, should we continue to sin that grace may abound wow Should we continue to sin just because I can be forgiven of sin? Should we continue to sin because God's empowerment abounds? It continues. It doesn't stop. It allows. It's continuously pushing me to live a life beyond sin. So did they base the value of this coin by just one side? Are you tracking with me on this? Because there are... uh, I don't want to say that there's certain denominations, but there's individuals. I'm just going to be real with you that they say because of God's grace, I'm forgiven. Because of God's grace, I can live however I want to live. But do we not do we not remember just reading in John chapter 15 when we preached on the fellowship of remaining that that we move from from we're either going to be separated, we're going to be stripped off of the branch. Because we're not producing, so at what point does that does that tell me? Well, I can be a part of the branch, and I don't have to bear no fruit. I'm just, I'm just, me on this, I'm just hanging out. I, man, that was that was bad, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> but but you know, as 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 we've heard in some story, why don't you act like a tree and leave? leave but that's the reality is that's what's going to happen if we're not producing the fruit so how could we how could we ever misuse grace how could we ever misunderstand grace we can misunderstand grace when we've not fully known what it means when you don't fully know what something means you lose the value of it so 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 here's here's something else that i want to tell you here i think we got a slide on this so the fellowship that god wants with us is not on the basis of how hard i work but how hard i let him work through me follow me on that take pictures but circle this in write this in your bibles This in your note that there's a you know I created a slide because this here's my one liner that the Lord's given me for this message, the fellowship that God wants with us is not the basis of how hard I work, but how hard I let Him work through me. That's God's grace. The basis of my fellowship is allowing Him to work through me. Like right now. I'm not a speaker. I'm not a public speaker and sometimes you might say, hey, well, Pastor James, you you do an all right job. But the reality is, is it's not me that does this, it's the grace of God that allows me to do this i don't know how to study if you would have saw my gpa in high school you would never see me in the way that the, some of the things that the lord speaks through me now because it just totally blows my mind i never even took the sat but i would imagine if i took the SAT, who took the sat here i'm sure you did you you did too and you did mama's like what's what did i sat on Oh, see that was a good one. See? Yes, yes. I thank y'all for those online that are laughing with me on that. But see, I would imagine the SAT, I would probably would have failed miserably because my thought process was not education, was not trying to better myself. It wasn't about trying to go to college. It was about can I barely make it through life. And I never thought about what life was going to be after school. Never did. That was one of the reasons why I joined the Marines. I was like, I got to do something with my life because I'm sitting here and all I'm doing is getting in trouble. I'm either getting arrested, I'm chasing somebody else's girlfriend, and I'm gonna be on the world's most top hit list if I continue to live the life that I'm living. And and, and I know some life, some people's lives are rougher than others, don't get me wrong, but the reality is, is I knew that I was not liking the way that I was going. But but through all of this, through everything that God's doing through me, in me, is I'm allowing him to work hard through me. And it's not my strength that I'm relying on. It's not my strength that I'm relying on that this week I worked 65 hours and I still got a message together yesterday. I still did the yard. I uh, started working on the dryer yesterday. Uh, Cut the grass at 8 o'clock last night got the stuff set up for church today. That was not my strength am I tired? Absolutely, I'm tired, but you know what God gave me such sweet rest last night because when I laid in the bed I said Lord I said I need your grace tonight while I sleep I Need your strength because Lord I can't do this within my own ability I can't do this by myself Lord. I need you and I need you in every facet of my life so so i want to close with this passage of scripture today and man i'm like right on time i got like eight minutes and that's just so wonderful how god orchestrates this so follow me over to luke chapter 2 verse 40 and i'm going to read this in the new king james version it said and, and 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 just follow me on this one it said and the child grew who was the child if we're in the beginning of luke we're talking about jesus here so and the child grew and became what? Strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the what? Grace. And the grace of God was upon him. So, if we begin to look at this word grace, how could we ever misconstrue that the word grace is just forgiveness of sins? Why did Jesus Christ need to be forgiven of something that he's never committed? Why did he need an unmerited favor? But why did he need, and the love of God was upon him? Yeah, the love of God is upon each and every one of us. But we're looking at the wrong side of the coin, ladies and gentlemen. And what happened here was Jesus lived a perfect and a flawless and a sinless life, right? Would everybody agree with that? That Jesus Christ, and if you don't believe me, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. He lived a sinless life. There was no sin. The only sin that He had was my sin and your sins that was upon Him when He hung on the cross at Calvary and He died for us. That was the only sin that He ever faced. And carrying our sins, it caused the Father to turn His back on Him. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the forsakening was the sinning. And we're going to get into that at probably at the close of this series. Probably in another couple more talking about forsaken fellowship. And this was where the forsaking of fellowship came. Was when sin was present. Hallelujah. But he was filled with wisdom. I said with him. He was with him. I can not tell I'm missing my tooth. And the grace of God was upon him. So if the grace of God has been misunderstood by 98% of the church, but yet Jesus knew what the 2% was, if he knew what the grace of God was, and if he grew in the grace of God, then that means me and you, we grow in it. Because we saw Peter say what? He said, may, grace, may the grace of God be multiplied in your life through your knowledge, through your walking, through your fellowship with Jesus Christ is how grace is going to be multiplied in your life. So, So the good part about the suffering that we preached about last week, because nobody wants to suffer, but I'm here to tell you today the good news about the suffering is that we don't have to go through it within our own ability. We don't have to go through it in our own ability. We have His grace. We have Him to help us to go through not just the suffering, but even the mountaintops that He's with us. He said, for lo, I am with you. What? Always. 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 Even to the end of this age. He's always with us. He's always pleading for us. He's always beckoning for us. He's always calling us. If I was to continue to call you and to call you and every time you heard me call you or you saw me call you On the phone and you just hit that ignore button Oh look it's puppy But every time I called you and you hit the ignore button How many more times am I going to keep calling you? Especially when I know that you're not busy Uh, I I know that you don't have things going on but I'm calling you but you continue to hit you swiping and you're ignoring me you're sending me to voicemail how many times is God going to call us until he quits calling us the good news is he's going to continue to call you until he comes back and when he comes back he's only calling certain people then he won't be calling all people And It's the very people that he's called true disciples. It's who he's going to be calling. So to every truth, there's a what? There's a false. Me and brother Richie talked about this the other night. He said dad or poppy. He said everybody that says they're Christian just because they seem to be good people doesn't mean that they're right with God. You know just kind of paraphrasing what he was saying because he sees that in his heart he gets to he gets to deal with more people than what me and you do with it on a daily basis maybe besides brother brent brother brent gets to see a lot of people he gets to witness to a lot of people he gets to be salt and light to a lot of people so 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 just as as jesus operated in the grace of god you have been destined to be in fellowship with god and john stated this in and one john chapter 4 verse 17 and it says this what does it say as he is also are we in this world because when we go back to John 1 and 16 it says that he is the fullness he is the fullness he is the expression of God and as he is so are we in this world did he say the life to come in the world to come in this life in this world, right now, we can, we can begin to operate with both sides of the coin now because now we know that grace is not just a forgiveness of sins, grace is not just salvation, grace is not just the love of God, but now grace is God's empowerment that gives me the ability to go beyond my own natural ability that we can have this right now, and from his fullness we have all received grace from grace, the richness of his empowerment. The richness, what does this mean? This means the very best that he can give you. The very best of his empowerment can be upon us. So this is the quintessential, I get to use this word again, I don't get to use it too often. This is the quintessential, what does quintessential mean? Quintessential means it represents the most perfect example of equality. The represents the most perfect example of equality. So this is the quintessential of Jesus. The most perfect example of God's grace in action was the life of Jesus Christ. And then he said that as he was, so are we in this world, in this life. Let me pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you today. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for Lord for a richness, a deepness, Lord, of a better understanding. The other side of this coin, Lord, of what grace truly represents for us. Lord, and as you have called us to fellowship, Lord, you've called us to walk in this grace, to walk in your empowerment, Lord, to walk these things out, Lord, that you've called us to do. Lord, we know that it's hard in this life. We know that the world is against us, that everywhere that we turn, Lord, that there's opposition. But, Lord, you've given us grace, Lord, to be able to, Lord, not only to endure it, but, Lord, overcome it. Lord, because you've called us to be more than conquerors. Lord, you didn't say, Lord, that we would barely overcome it. Lord, you said that we would be beyond that, that we would be more than conquerors. Lord, that we would be more than successful. But Lord, we have to remain in you. We have to remain in you and let you work through us, Lord. It's not how hard we work, but it's how hard we let you work through us. Lord, let your grace be multiplied in our lives. If you would just be honest with yourself right now, nobody's looking, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I want more grace. Lord, I want more grace. Then, Lord, that just as we have asked here, Lord, today, Lord, even those that are viewing us online, those that are listening to us, Lord, via the podcast, Lord, Lord, I pray that your grace is multiplied in their life, Lord, that they would find your grace, Lord, through your word, Lord, that they would make this their anchor, that they would make this their hope, Lord, and that we would prevail, Lord, in you and through you. Lord, bless our time, Lord, that we continue to have here today. Lord, bless us in our parting of ways. Lord, bring us back, Lord, safely. Lord, here again next week, Lord, as you see fit. We thank you, we praise you, and we give you the glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus.